Here's what's coming up on today's show. Our big walleye's doing it, and we're always disappointed because we want to catch sturgeon. It's like, how do you get mad at catching a 27-inch walleye? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's hard to get mad at that. But you know, maybe we get Trump just to build a, a wall, a tunnel from War Road to the Northwest Angle, <laughs> and, and then just consider that all U.S. territory. But I noticed there were some facts that you omitted, Joe, and that Uh-oh. means. That's part of our our next game. It's true, false, or false. (laughs) This is the Finding Fins Fishing Podcast. How much direction are you getting from the governor? It generates something like $2.4 billion. I don't know. Maybe you didn't want me to tell the story on the show, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I I knew you were going to go there. Why is relating to deep mind where there's schools of bait fish? Today's show is brought to you by Lake of the Woods Tourism. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. The Finding Fins Fishing Podcast is part of the Sporting Journal Radio family, where our mission is to hunt, fish, conserve, and do it all over again. Show off your pride for the outdoors with new gear from the Sporting Journal Radio store. Go to sportingjournalradio.com, click on store, and browse our selection of hoodies, hats, mugs, and more at sportingjournalradio.com. Welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Today we're going to talk fishing. We're going to talk walleye fishing, sturgeon fishing, as well as some of the other species that you can catch. And we're going to head up to Lake of the Woods and talk about catching some of those fish on Lake of the Woods as well as other places too with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism. Joe, how's it going? Hi, Brett. Doing good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Pretty excited. We are uh, just days away going through the final minute preparations of our trip up to uh to Lake of the Woods. And uh, before we get into that, of course, that trip is is possible, like many other people, I'm sure, uh, that are going to destinations in the United States because of this border closure in Canada. And we should start right there, Joe, because they extended that border closure again. Now to August 21st, not surprising to me. In fact, I had resigned myself to, uh, I, I mean, I don't even know when I'm going to be able to get up into Canada. I don't see an end to this border closure in sight, uh, although I'd like to. What is that um, has there been any changes for the Northwest Angle? Because I know that's been a challenge for the people that uh, live and operate at the Northwest Angle, Joe. Yeah, you know, uh, so so for for folks that don't know the uh, geography, you know, the Northwest Angle, if you want to drive there, you actually have to drive through Canada to get to the Northwest Angle. You drive through Canada and then you enter back into Minnesota. So consequently, when the U.S.-Canada border is closed, you can't access the Northwest Angle resorts without going across 35 to 45 miles of big lake of the woods, i.e. ocean. So it, it's very unrealistic to cross by water for most. So consequently, it's shut our resorts off to any kind of tourism this year. So normally a very, very robust summer tourism season. And, and for some resorts, the only tour season they have, because they don't ice fish, the whole season's being pretty much wiped out. So it's really, really tough on them. You know, much like it is many of our, our good friends up north in Canada, to your point, with, with Taz and Lake Lodge. So, you know, uh, obviously it presents a ton of challenges, un, un, unforeseen challenges for these hardworking Minnesotans who are caught between two countries. You know, in addition to these uh, not having any tourism, heck, there's people up there that have cabins and land and RVs at RV parks up at the Northwest Angle that cannot go across and access their own their own property because... They're not, you know, they don't, they don't have an address of the Northwest Angle on their driver's license. Now, the only people that are allowed to cross are actual residents of the Northwest Angle that have that address on their driver's license. And there's about 120 people 
that actually reside up at the Northwest Angle permanently. What about kids that are going to school? I know schools have been closed, but say the border closure remains closed, but schools reopen because a lot of those kids get bussed from the angle down in, into uh, like around War Road or, or somewhere in Minnesota, right? They do, yeah. So the kids up at the Northwest Angle, there's a, uh, um, a pretty much a one-room schoolhouse up there that I believe takes care of kids that are in uh, K through, I believe K through eight, I want to say, eighth grade. I think that's what it is. And uh, and then, you know, when you're in high school, then you go down to War Road High School from the Northwest Angle. And, and you know, it's funny, it's interesting because these students actually have to cross two borders each way every single day. So, you know, it's, it's kind of funny uh, fact, but a lot of times they have to get up at oh dark 30, get on a bus super early, like at 530. And a lot of them, what they'll do is they'll sleep, you know, on the way to school. And then, you know, at the end of the day, they get a little long bus ride too. Um, so my understanding is that they're going to, they're going to, uh, somehow they're going to deem the buses that are taking school children to War Road commercial transportation, i.e. Essential, essential travel. And consequently, they, they can get by with it. Such a neat and unique place up there. That's it's too bad that this is happening. You know, instead of a border wall with Mexico, maybe we get Trump just to build a, a wall, a tunnel from War Road to the Northwest Angle, <laughs> and, and then just consider that all U.S. territory, and then people can just travel back and forth without actually being in Canada. The other the other aspect of this border closure, I know we've touched on this before, Joe, but I plan on fishing the Rainy River a bit next week when I'm up there is I have to be kind of cautious where that border is when I'm on the Rainy River now, right? Well, you know, I think you always, you always have to have awareness, you sure, know. So really, sure. you know, the, 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 the Rainy River, to your point, the Rainy River, halfway across the Rainy River is Canada. That's our international dividing line, you know, all the way to International Falls, all the way, you know, east-west, all the way to Bidette. And then another 12, when the, when the Rainy River flows into Bidette, it goes, turns north and goes 12 more miles and feeds the Lake of the Woods. So... When you look at your chip, every almost every boat now has a GPS, and right on your chip there'll be a dotted line showing you where the the borderline is. And the big thing is, you know, normally you can you can navigate just a little bit over when you're navigating for safety reasons. The kicker is you certainly don't want to be uh, fishing in Canada. You'd have to have an Ontario fishing license and different regs apply. You know, um, d- during this COVID era, when the border shut down. You know, um, they're going to be much more stringent on you boating into Canada waters. You know, I really think you're going to be fine if you just skirt the line. But if you go way, way into Canada, uh, normally that would be okay if you're not touching land without calling in. But during the shutdown, you're not going to want to do that. Well, in, in this time of year, Joe, my my main species is sturgeon. If I'm going to be fishing on the Rainy River, I mean, I'm sure we can pick up some walleyes and some of the other species in there too, but I mainly want to target sturgeon. I You don't have to go very far on the Rainy. Yeah. I mean, we're staying at, at uh, Riverbend. We can pretty much go right out in front of the resort and fish there for sturgeon, right? Absolutely. You know, when you look at that Rainy River, ultimately what you're going to be targeting are holes in the river, you know, deeper holes. And there are a lot of deep holes all over the the Wheeler's Point area, you know, you know, from the Riverbend area, which is the mouth of the Rainy River, they call Wheeler's Point. Um, there's 42 miles of navigable river up to um, Birchdale, which is where some of the ra- rapids and rockier areas begin. But technically, you can take a big boat 42 miles. That's a lot of river, and there's holes and structure and everything else all along that 42 miles. So you're going to have a lot of river to fish. So normally I, when I go up and fish sturgeon up there, I've been up with, uh, with Jamie Dittman as you, you joined us with that too. Um, I'm bringing some people in my boat to fish for sturgeon for the first time. So I, I need to get, make sure I have the right gear for it. I got some heavier rods. Uh, it's a pretty easy 
uh, list of gear to, to, to pick up, right, Joe? What should I go get? Well, you know what? To start out with, having heavier rods and reels. And, you know, if you got, uh, you know, give an example, I don't sturgeon fish that often. So I had picked up at one of the sports shows some really uh, inexpensive catfish gear. Yeah. Heavier rods, heavier reels. I put 60-pound braid on them, and I'm good to go. And, uh, you know, when you go as far as sturgeon tackle goes, you know, in a lot of cases, you're best off just picking up sturgeon tackle up at the bait shops up in Bedette and, oh, and around the sure. river. They got they have everything you need. And really what you're going to need, two things. You're going to need a, uh, a no-roll sinker, which is a flat sinker that doesn't roll in the current. This time of year, normally about a three-ouncer will do it for you, but you can ask at the bait shop. And then the second thing is you get a sturgeon rig. And what a sturgeon rig is is a, um, it's about a, a 12-inch, I believe it's about a 12-inch long, 18-inch long leader that's 60-pound test you know, uh, leader material, and it's got about a, a three to five aught circle hook on it. And all you do is you thread that uh, that flat sinker onto your line, you tie on that uh, sturgeon rig, and then you load that hook up with either three night crawlers as much as you can get on there, or a combo of night crawlers and frozen emerald shiners. And then you go to those holes and just pitch it in the hole, anchor up, and and just wait for that tap. And of course, when you get that tap using a circle hook, you don't rear back like you would bass fishing. You just tighten that line up quickly. And what, the idea of that circle hook is even if it's down there a little bit, it'll slide out and hook those fish in the lips. It's a very conservation-minded hook. And uh, you're going to have a blast. As you know, when you're doing that, you know, you'll catch sturgeon. You might catch suckers. You might catch bullheads. You might catch big walleyes. You don't know what you're going to Smallmouth bass? Yeah, we've caught big walleyes doing it, and we're always disappointed because we want to catch sturgeon. It's like, how do you get mad at catching a 27-inch walleye? <laughs> you know, yeah. It's hard to get mad at that. But we also want to target walleyes, of course, Joe. And I know, like last week, we talked about your uh, trip out there with Steve Panaz, and you, you guys fished anywhere from 7 to 10 feet of water out to 30 feet of water. It's, it's really... You have to go with the mindset of, okay, let's try here, let's try here, let's try this, let's try this. You have to be flexible out there, don't you? You're so right, Brett. And, you know, I tell you, Steve and I had a game plan. You know, we were going to go out of the gap, um, the lighthouse gap at Wheeler's Point. We're going to go out in front and check 32 feet of water. There's a lot of fish out there. We checked uh, We checked the graph on the way out. I wasn't seeing the number of hooks I wanted to. I decided to go up to Staring Shoal that came off the south end of Garden Island. Pretty good run, but we had a good boat and everything. It wasn't real rough. So we... Uh, we shot up to Staring. We pulled Staring for a while. Got a couple of saugers, saw some hooks on there, but it wasn't going like I thought it should be. So you know what? I'm like, let's go around the corner and go north of Garden Island. We went up there, and uh, the spot I wanted to fish had a couple charter boats on it. Guess what? They must have been. It must have been a good choice because they're already catching them. So I don't want to crowd those guys. I went a little way, and we're just watching our graph, kind of idling to another spot, and and where a spot I wasn't even going to fish. Hook, 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 hook. I'm like, you know what? Let's drop down and pull this. Boom! We got all the walleyes we want to do. And then we went and tried that. Once we had all our walleyes, our limit, or just under our limit of eaters, we went to a couple other spots where I thought some big fish would be out in deeper water, and we fished that on the way back and got some, as in say, big-headed ones, some bigger walleyes. But uh, but my, my point to that is if we would have stayed in the spot that we initially thought, we would have caught some fish, but probably not had a great day. If we would have gone my, to my second spot and hammered that and stayed there all day, we would have caught some fish, but... We went to that third spot, and the third spot was the winner. That's where we really got those fish. And that's where being flexible. You know, it's interesting. One of the spots that I fished with Steve Panaz, he fished a day without me. He went the next day with his videographer and another person. Those fish weren't there. Hmm. So, so, so you got to be flexible. Use your electronics. Talk to the base stores. Talk to the resorts. Kind of get a game plan. All right, we know there's some fish in the, 
you know, uh, seven to 10 feet of water shallow, that's an option. We know there's fish out in deeper mud. That's an option. Then you just got to kind of go with the flow. Well, you, I think you nailed it there when you talked about electronics, keeping an eye on your electronics is so important. I mean, there, there's times where I, it's not always the most safe thing to do, but I'll, I'll have my eyes just locked on those electronics for stretches of time, just looking to see what, what's down there. Looking for fish, of course, looking for structure, looking, looking for structure changes, things like that. Uh, and, and just finding fish. I mean, I, I like to hunt and I consider that kind of hunting for fish when you're out there in the water, moving for spot from spot to spot, looking at the electronics, seeing if there's fish there. And obviously when you find them, then he's stopping fishing for a while and try to well, find ways. And the one, the one caveat I will tell you is on Lake of the Woods when you're out in the mud, you know, I, I don't care how good some of these electronics are. I, I've talked to pros on this and guides, but you know what? Sometimes when those walleyes on Lake of the Woods are in the mud, they can hunker down so tight to that mud that I promise you, you will not see those fish. Interesting. So there are times where if you're out in that deep mud and you think there's fish there, you're given a tip, whatever the case might be, um, you might want to give it a half hour because there's times where I haven't marked any fish and I, I whacked them pretty good. So it, it's, it's sometimes in that deep mud, it's, if they're tight to the bottom, it's hard to mark them. It's worth a shot. When you fish up there in the wintertime, uh, sometimes saugers can be more plentiful. Does it seem like it's a little bit of the opposite in, in the summer, or is it more of a 50-50, or what's the, the sauger ratio? Because I, I saw the story you posted online here last week about, uh, about saugers getting no respect, which is, which is completely true, the Rodney Dangerfield of, of, of the fish world. Um, but saugers are delicious. Yeah, they, they're not, maybe don't get as big as some of the walleyes, but they're, to me, they're just a small walleye. And when you're yeah. looking to have a fish fry, my gosh, you can't be upset about catching saugers. Well, not, not only are they delicious, but they give you action. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they give you a bite, they give you a pretty good fight, they're fun to pull in, and especially ice fishing. I think one of the reasons they shine a little bit more with ice fishing is because when you have to sit still, and those walleyes aren't below you. There's a lot of saugers to give you action all day long, which is entertaining, and it fills the bucket up if those walleyes aren't under you. You know, when you're in a boat in the summer, there's still the same proportion of walleyes and saugers in the lake. The difference is you can move around more to find those walleyes, if that makes sense. So, so you know, saugers are mixed. You know, Lake of the Woods, we have a combined, all year long now, we have a combined limit of six fish of, of walleyes and saugers. Up to four of those can be walleyes. So you can have all six saugers, or you could have your four walleyes and two saugers. You know what I mean? Anywhere in between. But saugers really do uh, kind of put a silver lining onto the whole thing. And boy, I tell you, for a fish fry, you know, normally you keep saugers that are on that 13 to 16 inch mark as a rule. Boy, do they fry up nice. And we've talked about the day bite on Lake of the Woods many times because of that darker water. Uh, is that is that been the case lately up there? People catching fish all day long? Absolutely. In fact, it was. Steve Panaz and uh, the videographer who, uh, who uh, um, really has a good background, you know, in fishing and stuff. Those guys were surprised because I took them to a shallow water spot at one o'clock in the afternoon with no wind. Yeah. And those fish were there. I would have told Five, you were crazy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it's stained water, see. And with that stained water, it's like all bets are off. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I first went up there, ice fishing, I remember, you know, I was hardcore. I'd, I'd go after walleyes and saugers from light until light, you know. And uh, I'd, I'd get up in the morning and I'd be getting my road pass and getting getting the heck out of there. And there's some old timers sitting around drinking coffee. And I can remember hearing one of them say, ah, you let those young bucks go out there and get them. We'll slide out there after breakfast and uh, start fishing when they start biting. 
Well, <laughs> backing up to those saugers for a minute, because you, in your article about saugers, you listed a number of facts about saugers and just some general information about those fish just to educate people a little bit. But I noticed there were some facts that you omitted, Joe. And that Uh-oh. means that's part of our, our next game. It's true, <laughs> false, or false. <laughs> About Sauger, Joe Henry. True, false, or false? I'm going to give you three facts about Saugers. One of them is true. Two of them are false. You need to guess which one is true. So, A, channel catfish are a main part of a Saugers diet when available. B, Saugers and walleyes hybridize and are called walgers. Or C, Saugers have been known to hybridize with channel catfish as well, and they're called seasogs. Seasogs. Which one of those is true, Joe? I don't know what you have with channel cats. <laughs> I mean, I'd say A is true. A is true. That is the correct answer. Channel catfish. <laughs> I, I just, I had no idea that saugers, a main part of a saugers diet, I suppose, in those river systems where there's a lot of channel cats present, that's probably one of the most. Uh, most abundant fish in some of those river systems but they eat a lot of channel cats who knew same, same thing with uh same thing with walleyes eating bullheads in the in inland lakes when you the know, bullheads available small bullheads boy you know i know a lot of flathead fishermen and we just filmed uh, an episode of prairie sportsman on flats down here on the minnesota river and i don't know how many times i hear from my buddies i use bullheads to catch flatheads oh, they'll send me a picture and be like look at this walleye that i caught last night on a bullhead about this big i'm like what and then they just throw it's it's almost like sturgeon fish you know you throw that bait down on the bottom and let it sit there and wait for your reel to click or wait for your rod tip to start uh, tapping or something like that and they're catching walleyes on bullheads well they they also do it on the, the one of the one of the tournament secrets down in the red wing area in the springtime is using those uh, willow cats and those willow cats look just like a, a bullhead and they're real hard to get. So a lot of time, the good tournament anglers will be uh, will make friends with the bait dealers and have all those uh, willow cats locked up. Sure. Well, I'll stick to frozen shiners and night crawlers for now. Yeah. Up good, uh, good plan. Next week at Lake of the Woods. Uh, Joe, if people want to plan a trip up there to Lake of the Woods, where should they go for more info? Yeah, ch- check out our website. It's uh, lakeofthewoodsmn.com. This has been the Finding Fins Fishing Podcast, part of the Sporting Journal Radio family. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or go to FindingFins.com and make sure to like our sponsors. As we all navigate through the tough times of 2020, finding new ways to enjoy summer has become a way of life. If you're searching for the perfect getaway this summer, look no further than the walleye capital of the world, Lake of the Woods. Fish the Rainy River, Big Traverse Bay, and don't forget you can still experience the uniqueness of the Northwest Angle. For your best chance to catch big fish, go where the big fish are, Lake of the Woods. Plan your trip at lakeofthewoodsmn.com.